Hello and welcome to the Read to Inspire podcast. My name is Sibongseni Mkolozeli and I will be your host. I started this podcast because I want to promote the reading culture within the African continent and beyond. That is my mission. My vision is to see each and every African home with a bookshelf. And as long as that bookshelf is bigger than a television screen, I will be happy. I believe that reading is the absolute best foundation ever for all material success. So if you want to be successful in your personal, professional and professional capacity, reading should be your starting point. To conduct this episode and many more to follow this podcast, I will not be alone but with inspiring authors from all over the world. Today, I will not be alone, of course, I will be joined in this debut episode by the author of The Untold Truth, How to Turn Your Pain into Power. His name is Mukhale Mulala. Uh, but before we get into the book itself, allow me to tell you briefly about him. Mukhale is an NLP and a master practitioner, a speaker, an author, and an entrepreneur. He calls himself the pain advocate as he always advocates for people not to be scared of pain. Instead, welcome it, appreciate it, and learn from it. He was born and raised in the dusty streets of Monstalas before relocating to Lebuahoma in 2018. He started writing at the age of 12, but during that time he was writing to express himself, but him formally started writing at the age of 14 when he wrote his first book titled Be the Light. He couldn't publish it because due to lack of knowledge his laptop got stolen before he could save it in his hard drive therefore he couldn't publish it. He was hurt and stopped writing until the year 2017 when he started writing the untold truth about pain. He holds a certificate in project management and thought leadership a certificate in small venture creations and a leadership award of being the most resourceful junior of the year and top Mutlabane peer facilitator of the year. He is now completing his diploma in financial and information systems. Mr. Mukhale Mulala, welcome to the Read to Inspire podcast. Thank you very much, Swongiseni. Uh, I'm really honored. It's indeed a privilege to be on your podcast today. I'm so excited about this. I can't wait for us to indulge in it. And awesome. I didn't really think that my bio is that interesting. <laughs> reading it, I'm like, I'm not that bad, actually. <laughs> ah. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Okay. Let's uh, continue promoting the culture of reading. Absolutely. Speaking about the culture of reading, I would like to know, um, before we get into the book, like into details, the first question is, when did you start reading books outside the academic space? And why do you think reading is important for everyone's success? Okay, I'll be honest with you. So I started reading outside of the culture of my academics back in 2013. Okay. When one of the nuns uh, bought me a book as a birthday present. Awesome. And I was like, what is inside of this book? When I read that book, I was like, wow, I could actually write mine, you know? Hence the concept of Be The Light. Mm. The concept of Be The Light came from that inspiration. Oh. That you know what, Mali, you can also do it. Because I've been writing short stories ever since grade seven, I think in 2011. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, I won a competition of essays in grade seven and continued just writing, writing, writing. What was I writing? I was writing my own experiences, my own imagination, and anything that I found interesting. One of the essay that got me to win an essay competition was an HIV essay, which I was explaining about these two partners. That time, remember, I was not that much knowledgeable about HIV, but I was using my imagination. Mm. That, okay, HIV is this bad disease, and this is what it's doing, and this is how this couple uh, ended up fighting or splitting because one partner was negative and the other one was positive mm. what was i using my imagination to write that oh. but i wasn't that much knowledgeable or 
really knowing even what the HIV stands for. I was just hearing them, the people speaking HIV is this dangerous disease. You find it through sexual intercourse and all those kind of things. So that's how I fell in love with writing because I could write in my imagination, even if no one is listening to me, but the paper is actually listening to me while I'm writing those stories. Interesting, interesting to hear. So as we're still on the on the reading part, um, I'm curious to know, because uh, you said you started late, and I think that's late. If you started in 2013, the reading part, I was also later than you. I started in 2015. You know, there's a perception generally, especially within the black society. Uh, if you never grow up being exposed to that culture, it's always too late. That's what they say, to start reading. So how do you convince someone who has never read, let's say someone in their 20s or 30s, who has never read a book in their life outside the academic space to start reading? Okay, first let me highlight this and I think it will be one of the key principles I'll be promoting. Reading is a spiritual thing. Hmm. There's no such a thing as I cannot read beyond my academic space. Why do I say this? You know, my the first book that I read mm. led me to be the light. The second book that I read, I read, which was the Rivonia the Rivonia Junction by Didi Kusero, mm. led me into writing the Untold Truth About Pain. The third book that I wrote, I mean that I read, which was No More Excuses for Me, led me into quitting smoking and start being responsible for my own life. Wow. So what do I mean by the spiritual part of things? You will never know what to get in a book up until you take that book and read it yourself. Mm. So if you want to grow within your personal development or any other aspect of life, I will advise each and every one of people, each and every, each and every one who's listening to the podcast to read a book. It might never be uh, a big book, just a small book, a novel, a small novel. Mm. You'll never know yeah. how much detail and how much impact that will do into your life. I mean, look at this transition I've been telling you. I read the first book, inspired me to write my book. The second book inspired me to write my second book. And um, what's this book by the the Art of Hustling? The Art of Hustling led me into starting my own company, which was I Grow Group, and inspired me to even sell and sell appropriately because there were principles of selling, if I'm still correct, in that book, which I utilized to start my own company. How to convince customers to buy your product, how to continuously go into the streets or into your customers or your clients per se and sell your product. So each and every book has a specific message, but you never know about that message up until you take that book and read it. Absolutely. Wow, that reinforced the idea that without reading, it will be very difficult for you to be successful in anything in life. So those testimonies hit the nail in the head. So thank you so much for that. But now I want us to get now into the subject of today, your book, The Untold Truth About Pain, How to Turn Your Pain into Power. Tell us firstly, how did the idea of this book come about? Okay. Um, I went through a fatherless experience, right? Mm. And by fatherless, I don't, I don't mean that my father was dead or anything. But it's the absence of emotional attachment mm. towards my father, right? And because of that attachment, I went out to, to, to preach to young uh, men about being responsible and accountable for your own kids. Why did I do this? Because I've realized the impact that that experience did to and with that, I've realized that a lot of guys are very sad. A lot of guys are very angry, similarly to me, right? So what did I do then? I'm like, I want to reach out to a lot of people because right now my reach is limited. I can only talk to the people that can have access to me or have uh, in one or the other follow me in any other regard. So I told myself that, you know what, Mal, put the whole idea into a book. Try to tell people of how you turn your pain into power. Because then, I wouldn't lie to you, after my, the absence of my father, my worldview changed. From being this ambitious guy who wants to be a pilot into being this other guy who wants to be a lawyer. Why did I want to be a lawyer? Because I wanted to protect kids, not to go through the same experience that I went through. What is that experience? The court decided that morally, at the age of seven, that morally, you will choose between your father and your mother. That, to me, 
was a very insane decision to take because there is no child in the entire earth who will choose between staying with the mother and the father most especially if you were staying with them in this very in one roof right so with that i was like magali be a lawyer make sure that this does not happen to any other kid so the idea came about magali go and reach out to the world about your current reality it was difficult at first because you as a speaker <laughs> you don't want those kind of uh schemes or those kind of scandals to be out like that most people because it might kill your brain i mean getting to how i first drank alcohol and everything like that it, it's not something that you want to share with the world but i was like magali share this with the world and inspire them because not only you who suffer who suffered from that experience there are other lot of people that are still suffering from those experiences but apparently almost definitely they are not talking about that so i'm like okay let me talk about my problems let me open up about what i went through but most importantly it gives you the key components of how that experiences led me into being this person that i am today mm, interesting well i guess it's safe to say as human beings we we've all been through some painful experiences before even though those experiences are different within an individual so with the book it seems like there's a secret behind pain like as the title self suggest the untold truth there's a secret that mostly i think as you suggest that people are not aware of so i'd like to know what is this secret about pain that people should know and should embrace about it you know uh, that is actually a very interesting question pain is not the enemy but a true friend hmm. why is it a true friend or why should we even regard pain as a friend because it's only in pain that we grow Right. Yeah. I usually ask people this: How did you find out that you are this strong young man or this strong young beautiful woman? And you'll be like, "Mahalo, no. Hey, I've been through the worst, and still I'm still standing." And with that, I'm like, I came up with this theory that pain is not as bad as we think it is. Pain is not this hideous monster as we think it is. But pain is a friend. Why is it a friend? Because a friend is somebody who is going to grow with you, and whom is going to grow you. So pain is one of those components that we need in life, regardless of how much we try to run and avoid pain. But pain is one key component that, even to your success, is very fundamental. That hence a lot of successful people will tell you, "I've been through one, two, three, four, five," and those things hurt them. dismally but because of those experiences they turn out to be one of the most amazing individuals so that tell you that life without pain is useless and pain is very fundamental to your life because i don't lie to you i've ran through my pain i've always been trying to fit in that wound that my father left me by girls by alcohol and by all sort of stuff you can ever think of but guess what the more i try to run away from pain that's when i experience pain even more why is it like that because when you are bleeding inside you share the blood amongst those individuals that are around you how do you share the blood as i told you that i was hurt i was in i was involved in multiple relationships a romantic relationship to be more specific with the whole idea that if maybe five people love me then i'll feel in that but it never like that i ended up hating five more people so i'm sharing this blood amongst the five people which will change their life dismally when i look back and reflect i'm like oh moral what have you done look how many people you had and just by seeing the impact of your actions what is been i mean how their life turned out to be is said that you are indeed responsible or played a role in someone's life and a bad role in that regard because once you look back those people are never going to be the very same people again in the experience of cheating on somebody how in life the experience of cheating on somebody is not god the idea that someone chose a different person instead of you it hurts and to realize that is going to kill their self esteem is going to kill their confidence 
So realizing that you played a role in killing those two components is indeed sad. Hence I'm saying you share the pain amongst others and therefore those those painful experiences will come back to you when you look and reflect upon your life to see how many people you have had, how many people you have caused pain. Hmm. Interesting. So I've read your book, like I think within a space of two days, as I said to you on WhatsApp, it's quite an easy read. But the way it's doing, it did to my emotions, it was interesting. From feeling your pains, you know, from family relationships, you know, your career, and even with your friendships. It was quite, you know, an eye-opening because it's actually relatable, especially from someone as a black child who grew up with like almost nothing so I'm, I'm thinking to myself um as i was reading you know throughout this book from the introduction there's always this hook which is i think i must give you credit for as an author to always have that hook to keep your readers interested one particular example is this in the introduction you say i was 10 years old when it happened so as I read throughout the book, I couldn't quite get it what exactly happened in your life at the age of 10. So can you tell us a bit about that part at that age, what really happened? I, of course, other part at different ages, you mentioned what happened to you and then we'll get into the other aspect of your life, painful experiences after this question. So let's start there. What happened at the age of 10? Okay, so this right? Um, after all the divorce settlement, Magali getting to choose between a mother and a father, mm. right? Have you ever seen how hateful it is that you only see your father by default? Meaning that it's either you're gonna pass each other on the streets or even on the roads. But most definitely, you wouldn't talk to one another because of what happened, you know? So that on its own, made me to even be more angry. Um, I started to have ulcer at that age. I couldn't, got, I couldn't get help. Why? Because it was insane for a 10-year-old to have ulcer. Because why? It's been caused by alcohol and stress. Uh, psychologically or health-wise, a young boy at the age of 12, at the age of 10, cannot be having stress. I mean, what kind of stress are you having, right? So that on its own, it made me to go in and out of hospitals trying to get help. I remember I was even homesick. So I would write my tests and exams while sitting at home. And that was one key component that killed me dismally. Because I think I spent around six months staying and lying on bed without any help, yeah. right? And that on its own changed how I view the world, made me to even more angrier because I didn't cause this credit. I mean, I didn't invite this stress into my life. And by that time, remember in our culture or during that time, right? Because right now I see there's a bit of improvement in terms of how parents relate to kids. It was not justifiable for you. It seemed disrespectful to ask your parent what happened because they will tell you it's adults matter. You don't fall part of it, and it's not because of fault. And that time, I was very hurt because I'm thinking that how does my father right now take that I chose my mom instead of him? How do I gonna look at him, knowing very well that right now I took away his kids away from him? Because the decision that I took was for me and my little sister. My sister was still young at that age, so they said, "Magali, since you are a bit old, you have to choose." And my, I think my life changed at that particular moment because I was trusted with so much responsibility. I mean, to choose between your parents, what do you know, you know? And the only thing that was, was between my decision making. My father was very rich at that time. When my mom tells me now, he's saying your, your father was working for this China company. He was earning roughly around 100,000 per month. Hence, he was able to buy all these cars and all these flesh expensive things. So he came to me the day before I made that decision with my favorite car, Toyota Fortuna. I was very intrigued and said, my son, I love you. I bought you a car also. You're going to go into a private school and live with me in the suburbs. I was very happy 
that was my dream. Growing up, I wanted to go to a school where I would be able to school with white people, right? So my mom, if you know the Nollywood movie, Oh My Son, uh, my mom showed me Oh My Son. The content of Oh My Son was that the mother died, the guy went and stayed with uh, the second wife of the, of, of the father, mm. and the father abused, I mean, the, the stepmom was abusing the son because it was not his, it was not hers, right? So that, I have to choose between money and love. Another particular moment, I cried the whole night making that decision. So all of those things heated me up at the age of 10, where right now I couldn't do anything for myself. I couldn't even go to school. It was a complete change that even infected and affected my life in a negative way. From being an introvert into being an, I mean, from being an extrovert into being a totally lonely, sad, and bitter introvert. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, to the audience of this Red to Lead, pod, Red to Inspire podcast, I want to tell you if you want to know more into these stories that he just shared, they are all available in this book as he's telling them. So if you want to know and dig deep into the details of what really happened, please get yourself this copy. I'm telling you, you will never see pain the same way again. And if you, of course, if you are a an aspiring author or a published author and you'd love to also share your story with your book with us on this podcast, uh, drop me an email at redtoinspire.podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's redtoinspire.podcast at gmail.com. And Mr. Mohale, let's now try and transition as the book suggests in the subtitle, How to Turn Your Pain into power. In in this book, you describe pain as the detestable monster, which is necessary at times, you say. You went on to say life is meaningless without pain. So can you elaborate on that? How you also, sharing from experience, how you managed to turn all those painful experiences you went through into power? Okay. Firstly, uh, I usually say this, the first key component towards your healing journey is acceptance and acknowledgement. Acknowledging that indeed I have a problem, right? Mm. So at first, it was only me running away, running away. I was very young at that age, running away from that, running away from that, up until I saw that Mali, you, you are becoming something else. You are becoming this monster that I don't even understand, you know? And then from that, I took it upon myself that I'm going to seek help. I went counseling. The first trial never worked out. Mm. Why? When you go through counseling, they'll ask you questions. Those questions made me to even become more furious because I really did not want to talk about everything that really happened. You know, I was not ready to open up to that extent or to go to that young me who was suffering, who always spent 80% of his time alone only writing you know so I, I i totally went out of the counseling sessions but i was like mali you said you wanna you want help go back again i went back again this was the question that changed my life mali take out your father take out your mother what do you want i looked around and i did not know what i wanted mm. and that was a very sad moment of my life because i i while I was, I was thinking I was growing up, I wasn't. Why was I not growing up? Because each and everything that I ever did in my life was to try to please other people, to please my mom, to please my family. So I, I will take courses because I want to make them happy. I will participate in sports because that time I was seeking love and affection that I was not getting because it was difficult for my mom to relate to me. I was not a problematic child. It's just that because of my passion, she just did not get why I do certain things. So that on its own played a huge part in my life. And that's when I sat down, I'm like, but what do you want? I've realized I have this passion to help people. I have this passion to inspire and change people's lives. That's when I started going against all odds. My parents fought me, my family fought me. I remember there was a family meeting conducted 
for me specifically to leave the speaking career. And they were like, Mogali, you have never achieved anything. You are nothing. What is it that you're going to tell people? Sure. I looked at them. I'm like, if I'm getting this from my family, the people that are supposed to be supporting me. Because I remember I showed them a video of me speaking to fathers at the Father's Day event. I was invited at church. They were like, hey, these people have time. And they can listen to such a young boy like yourself. And that hit it, hit it home. I mean, I was, my, my friends were proud of me. My mentors were proud of me. That Mughali, wow, what a wonderful speech. But my family looked at that speech and be like, but Mughali, these people have time. How can they listen to a young boy like yourself? So I decided to go against all those negative energies. My motto was, Magali, they will catch up with you later. Right? So they don't have to understand what I'm doing. They don't have to understand what is it that is happening in my life. Because all this entire life, I've been living for them. Right now, it's time for me to take control and charge of my own life. Hmm. It was difficult because sometimes I'll go pro trying to get to gigs, trying to get this, trying to get that. But because of that hunger that I had, that Mughali, you're going to make it. I did that. So I owned up to my pain and I shared with the whole of the world how I turned my pain into power. And you, absolu- is- yeah, and, and you absolutely did. If anyone reads this, this book, they will understand how you made something out of your situation. You made something good for yourself which I believe it was all about following your heart and your passion. And throughout all those ex- painful experiences that you will read throughout the book, you also talk about, you know, the five types of storms. And I was wondering, as I, re- as I was reading through all these five types of storms, obviously they do relate, you know, they do cause different pains in our lives. So is it is it safe to say, okay, um, all those type of uh, storms, they are the sources of the painful experiences you go through or there could be other things other than those storms that are causing the painful experiences okay so when i was naming the storms right mm. i wanted to differentiate that whenever you're going through painful experiences mm. it falls within a certain category of a storm and what is the purpose of that particular storm mm. in particular i'll only name two okay. out of the five mm. one being the building storms that building storms affects individuals mm. like for example what transpired in my life affected me those also affected my mom and my family but it affected me even more because i felt like i took part in everything maybe it's my reason that my parents broke up and all those kind of things right so that storm was meant for me and for me only why it was preparing me for my purpose if it was not because of that i wouldn't be this young man that i am right now sometimes i sit down and i wonder how could life have been if my father was still around mm-hmm. probably would have been this spoiled bread this young guy doing drugs and all of that because i'll be having all the money in the world right but that storm was preparing me for my purpose and I know sometimes it does not make sense that you go through certain painful experiences in your life. But one of the key codes that I usually share with people is each and every storm is purposeful. And each and every storm has a positive intention to the one it affects. And secondly, I will share about all-in-one storm. Mm-hmm. All-in-one storm is a storm that you're facing now, which is the COVID-19 is the storms that affect each and every one of us. Why is it affecting all of us? For us to see something, you know, right now, I'm talking to you via Zoom, you know. It was because of the storm that you can utilize session, I mean, you can utilize and explore this kind of um, Zooms and all other things that we learn to do through COVID-19. Some of us went even to deep introspection about our life and careers. You know, it was because of what the storm. Its purpose is to relieve something, to show us something, and to learn from that particular something. Hence, I'm saying each and every storm has a positive intention to the one it affects. And I know it does not make it might not make sense, 
But the problem is not always the problem. The problem is how you see the problem. So a COVID-19 is a problem, but some of us looked at the COVID-19 as an opportunity. Just like yourself, the COVID, uh, COVID-19 was an opportunity for you to launch your podcast, to go and seek other authors through social media so that you can do these wonderful things that you're doing right now. So that storm had a positive intention towards your life. But again, the problem was not really the problem. But for you, was an opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. And now this is getting more interesting as I want to move to the next question, which is like a practical, I should say, a metaphor, a practical way of convincing people using like analogies, how to turn your pain into power. In the book, you're speaking about, you know, five colors of the rainbow and how they relate to our different emotions. Can you take us through all those five different colors or even two if you can due to time? Okay. So I will take red and yellow color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red symbolizes anger. And sometimes people might look at red as blood and all those kind of things. Even love, I mean. So it varies. But for now, let's classify the red as anger, as that bitterness and as blood, right? A lot of us can tend to experience red in 8% of our daily routines. For example, Mgalu wakes up and goes to bath and everything. When he just gets out of the house, right, you find out that you left your laptop charge. Flip, I'm getting late. You go and pick up that charge. When you get to the taxi, the taxi driver drives so slow. And like, ah, this man. When you get to work, you find your boss. Mali, I don't like your lateness tendencies. You get more even more angry because of how the day started. You do your job, you go and submit your report, and the boss reads the report and be like, Mali, what's this? And another red color. So when you get home, you are tired. Your wife did not even cook. It's done. Oh, what am I going to eat now? You look at the bread, it has expired. Oh, yeah. So all of those things, all of that potato routine that I just explained, mm. represent the bitterness of your day for that particular day, right? Mm. There's a yellow color, which is the joy. So how do you transition these two colors? That's when I talk about what I refer to as the winning attitude. What is the winning attitude? Whenever your boss comes to you and be like, Mali, Stop the sentence of you getting late and everything. You smile. Thank you, bots, for criticizing me. I will do better next time. That transition gives you the positive energy. But besides that, when you find your wife, or maybe he didn't, she did not cook, you just take out the meat and cook your favorite meal. And that alone, again, adds to your joy. Why is it important that we transition this to? Because it always makes people curious. But what kind of a person is this? I mean, I just shouted at him right now, and he smiles. Where do you cry? In the sacred space. And I didn't talk much into that. I think people should buy the book and read that, you know. But most importantly, the winning attitude is an attitude that will always make people wonder what kind of a person you are. But I'll leave it at this. Thou shall not cry in the language that people understand. Because once they understand the language that you used to cry, they will give you reasons to cry. Hence, it's very important that even when you experience a lot of red color within your day, you turn that into the yellow color. When um, uh, right now people don't, don't understand you because we have the winning attitude. They find it easy, they find it difficult to give you reasons to cry because they don't understand the language you use to cry. Hmm, that is powerful. And I think that is the essence of the positive mental attitude. And, and, and now in the book, I think later on you say uh, pain can lead to purpose. I think even during this interview, you said this earlier. And you also speaking about gratitude, which is one of the most important components that can help in sad times because life isn't just about sad memories. How do you change your mind to be grateful when it seems like the world is against you and it seems like 
as it seemed like this was the case with you. Okay, so right now I'll give you an example. Mm. Uh, the book that you hold wasn't always like that. So it was supposed to be published by the publisher and all of that, right? The publisher pulled out because of lack of finances or lack of funds, right? So what did I do? You sit down, you do three things. You become aware of self, you self-reflect, you self-regulate. How do you imply these three components? Morally, right now your publisher pulled out. What is it that you're grateful of? I'm still grateful that even when he pulled out, I still have my manuscript. And this manuscript will still be able to open doors for me. What are you grateful of again? I'm grateful of the fact that I can still have an opportunity either to search for more publishers or to invest in knowing about self-publishing and publish my book. What am I grateful of? I'm grateful that I have the data to can find all this information online. What are you grateful of? I'm grateful again that I have the energy and the passion to know more about the publishing industry. So what does that do? That whenever you're facing something that's so difficult, before you even start to ask yourself wrong questions, because I usually say this, when you ask wrong questions, you get wrong answers. But when you ask wrong right questions, you get right answers. So if you ask yourself something like, ah, but why me? God, what have I done? You'll get all the wrong answers you need. Because right now, you're asking the wrong questions. But if it was like, but God, what is it that you want me to learn from this? What is it that I need to implement from this? That's when you ask yourself what? Right questions, and you'll get right answers. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um, I think now I get it why in high school they gave you the nickname in grade 12, if I remember correctly, the nickname Mastermind. Can you tell us about that nickname? How did it come about? The nickname came about that I was one of the weirdest guys in high school. Why? I was always analyzing things. I, I was a student activist, so I would lead strikes and everything like that. But before I do that, uh, because of this thing that I will do before I answer a question, like, mm, let me see. You know, I think you can approach it in this way. So that pause gave people the impression that, no, this guy is the mastermind. <laughs> Always before he answers questions, he sit down and be like, mm, let me see. Perhaps we can do this or can do that. And always I was leading them in the right direction. And I implemented certain things that no one ever thought uh, they would ever be implemented in high school. Hmm. Just to give an example, I opened an organization, my first organization, while I was still in high school. And that was in educating kids about uh, alcohol, sex, smoking, and bullying. So they were like, wow, I'm looking at this concept and it materialized. The school even funded me to make sure that the project was successful and it was indeed successful. So hence the nickname Mastermind. Because of that post, mm, let me see. Those kind of things. <laughs> Interesting story right there. All right. And then I think towards the end of the book, you were sharing like five success. We are sharing five success principles. Uh, take us through all of them if you can, or due to time, you can pick one or two that you think is the, let's say, the top one that probably can make anyone or anyone can relate to in order to be successful in life. Okay, in high school, the first answer is correct. So I'll take the first two. <laughs> so the first one is know your outcome, right? A lot of us have this ideology of knowing what we don't want. Mm. Hence, we find it difficult to know what we really want. For example, what kind of a girlfriend do you want? I don't want somebody who cheats. I don't want somebody who looks like, hey, Kusia, what do you want? You know? So a lot of us know what we don't want, but we find it difficult to know what exactly that we want. Mm. Secondly, we need to take action. If you know your outcome that I want to be the best speaker in town, then take action. What are the things that I can do to be the best speaker in town? But just to give you a hint, when you take small steps or small actions, you get small results. They could not, did not call me Mr. Massive or nothing. When you call, when you take massive steps or massive actions, that's when you get massive results. So when you're taking that action, 
ensure that you take action from a massive perspective massive actions extreme actions that's when you'll get massive outcomes yeah that's great that's powerful um i think we've pretty covered much of what is happening in the book like in a in a very brief way and i'm just curious if you, you you probably have a feeling within you now maybe you have something bending that you want to share with the audience from the book maybe something you might have forgot to mention probably before we, we wrap up okay i want to firstly um say this truth there's an ebook that is going out on a friday on the 20 i think it's on the 26th of april yeah on friday i'll be the book is the ebook is about addictions and all various addictions, not only smoking and drinking and everything, but even clothing can be an addiction, even stealing can be an addiction, and all other addictions, and how can you uh, know if you're addicted to something or not. Mm. I give those clear steps of how to identify that and how to solve your addictions. That's the first one. Secondly, I want to redefine forgiveness. That firstly, you don't forgive for people but forgive for yourself secondly for the true definition of forgiveness is removing the desire to hold somebody accountable for their past mistakes why am i saying is the true definition because once you remove that desire to hold somebody accountable for what they've done to you you've completely going to have access to forgive them and once you forgive them you become at ease and become productive because you're at peace because one thing that pain is good at when it comes to you it affects and it disturbs your peace once you're not at peace you're not at ease and once you're not at ease you're not being productive so if you want to be productive in life become at peace how do you become at peace forgiveness which is what removing the desire to hold the people accountable for their past mistakes those are the things that I think maybe I haven't mentioned mm. in this whole podcast. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. And now I, I think I have three more questions that are not uh, related to the book generally. So first of all, I want to know what are the two or three book titles that have made the biggest impact or impression in your life and why? Okay. Uh, I mentioned the art of hustling. Okay. Uh, I regard myself as one of the best salesmen you could ever meet on earth. Because really, when I look at my track record, it says a lot about how I managed to convince other people to buy my product. I mean, right now, uh, a few weeks few weeks back, I was celebrating 180 copies sold out by an independent author, meaning that I'm selling by myself. There's nobody who's selling me marketing, but I'm doing all of those by myself. I did my own cover. I do my own marketing, I do my own sales, wow. right? So that's the art of hustling. The art of hustling. Secondly, the Rivona Junction. On the Rivona Junction, there's this chapter that I love when this guy shows us about accountability and responsibility. That's when he was sharing a story of when his grandmom gave him a, a loan cut when he was asking for money to bread. Mm. And he was so furious because it was at his adolescent stage. He went to go door to door. Can I cut your grass? Can I cut your grass? Up until he managed to get all the money to buy bread. The idea or the take home from that is a lot of us, we tend to be too uh, comfortable where we are. We tend to feel all this sort of entitlement that I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that. But the matter of fact is, you are in full responsible for our own results. Mm. And therefore, you are in full accountable or equally accountable for your own actions. It's very important to know that you are accountable for your life and nobody else needs to do things except for yourself. Wow. And lastly, there's no excuses for you. When there are no excuses for me, there are categories of excuses and how uh, you can right now transition from not making excuses anymore. It even gives you a clear definition of what an excuse is. All types of excuses that you can ever make on this entire earth. Because I realize a lot of us, we make excuses for a lot of things. Right now, ah, ah, it's very hot. Hey, I'm lazy. Hey, right now. So it gives you all of that uh, idea 
and concept about excuses and isn't it a good thread i've read that i've quitted smoking because of that because when i read the book i'm like i've been making excuses for the cigarettes for a long time right now i need to stop i've always been saying i want to stop but i got it but after reading that book i stopped this month yeah that's the power of books i didn't know someone can quit smoking just from reading a book that's powerful so thank you so much mr mohale for sharing that part and maybe lastly i understand you are a speaker and you started speaking like a couple of uh years ago and you shared even in your book even now earlier on during the podcast i just want to know for someone who would like to make can you give us some tips if we want to make a very memorable and impactful public talk what are the what are the tips as you're preparing for that for that talk okay uh know your outcome know what is it that you want your audience to take from your speech uh before doing all these speeches please find your niche i don't believe in this uh master of everything and those kind of things i believe that people are most comfortable and most content in the things that are most resonate with them like right now i can talk about pain the whole day because i'm most comfortable talking about that but if you can say i'm going to talk about leadership yes i've done leadership courses i've been there i will tell you but right now i'm more comfortable with pain than leadership itself so know what is your niche lastly practice energy things you know i do this crazy stuff before going on public talks uh, i was telling one of my friends that you know i think right now i'm becoming too expensive for south africa i need to leave the country why is that because i invest a lot in my brand how do you do that firstly because you love your brand secondly the energy exercises what are energy exercises you will find me running around the room preparing all these energy levels because when i go on stage on a heated right sometimes i come up with this crazy ideas like if you've seen recently in my social media i was wearing this white shirt full of blood right that because I, i was explaining a concept of a lot of us uh in we are in suits in ties looking all good but deep down we are full of blood we are bleeding inside so uh, um it's very important to do those things before you do them at a stage because uh, I, i will do all of those kind of things before when you see my stage just know is either i've done that or i've been imagining myself doing that so imagine your whole speech before you even do it like imagine the people laughing be like <laughs> those kind of things i know it's crazy but it helps because you will know that in this time most definitely i'm quite sure they will laugh and i know that for example um recently in my public speaking event that i went on saturday I told people that I kill people for a living and my reaction for them was like they want to be like what <laughs> and all of them they were so this guy is here and he's killing people for a living and I was like no I'm kidding you know and you, you, you enable that post before so all of those things are the things that I've imagined to them before that this room is going to look like this I'm going to doing this this is what I'm going to do this is what I'm going to say this is what I'm going to say this is what I'm going to say so be prepared fully for your own speech and invest in it if it means you do spend the whole day doing research then do it if you come with concepts go and kill it mm. that was the first concept that at that time i did this concept of forgiveness i was carrying a lot of bags this other time i was doing a concept also about pain i went so insane so all of those things you prepare them in advance and they make your audience to make you the outstanding speaker because all of the people that going to speak but they're going to remember that guy who was wearing a shirt of blood all the cameras will be looking for you why because you invested in your brand yeah that is absolutely powerful and then maybe just to before we wrap up can you tell us now for someone or maybe as someone is listening to this podcast they are interested in getting their copy for this book how do they get hold of you for the copy is the is the book available nationwide in the bookstores Uh, the book is only available on Amazon and take a lot right okay. and also through so either you go and check it on Amazon the told truth about pain or get it you can go on take a lot the told truth about pain you'll get it or you can contact me directly 
072-572-0676. I repeat, 072-572-0676. Or just go on Facebook, search the Untold Truth About Pain and request to join my group. And most definitely, I will be able, uh, I will be more than willing to accept you and take your order. Oh, amazing, amazing. My brother, I would like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for honoring this invite. This was my debut episode and I'm so grateful that we kicked it off so well. I'm happy with the way you conducted it. And you know, with your future project, as you told, you told us there's a ebook that is coming out on the 26th of April. I wish you all the best with that and even with your upcoming you know, public speaking events. You are a Toastmasters now. Yeah, each and every day I see you are honing your skills. As I'm reading from the book, I see you are a very ambitious person. There's, I, I think you have a bright future ahead of you and I wish you all the best. And with you being part of Toastmasters, I'm sure you'll accomplish all your, your desires, your ambitions. I, I feel like you're in the right path and I'm truly honored. Um, and I'm truly grateful, grateful that you, you came through and share your stories with us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Asuma. I hate goodbyes, but I think I just have to let you go. Uh, it's, it's been indeed an honor and a privilege to be interviewed by you. Uh, continue the good work that you're doing. I cannot wait for future podcasts to listen to other authors. And one of the projects that I do this year is each and every year, I mean, each and every month, I'm buying myself one book from an African uh, author. So I think uh, I will read all. I'll be following the podcast just to know which books to buy uh, throughout the entire year. So by the end of this year, I need to be helping 12 books, mm. which right now I already have three. Mm. And then I'll be buying others, obviously recommended through your podcast. Thank Absolutely. You